Welcome to Fresh Cut Grass, light conversation with turf grass professionals from across the turf industry, with your hosts, Jeff Fowler and Tanner DelVal. Hello and welcome to this episode of Fresh Cut Grass. My name is Jeff Fowler, you co-host for today, and with me as always, Tanner Delval. Tanner, good to have you again today. Yeah, glad to be here, Jeff. How was your weekend? Um, yeah, weekend was a weekend. <laughs> um, it went by really quickly and um, didn't get near done what I thought I was going to get done. It just didn't happen. Um, weather, co- weather cooperated probably too well. Um, it was beautiful here in Western Pennsylvania this past weekend. Um, lots of fall festivals happening and all those good things. You know, the weather has cooled down, so our disease pressure has gotten less. Um, we were we were down in the in the mid thirties last week in the morning. Um, so it, it, it's it's coming. It's, it's that tis the season. Yeah, I spend. Uh... Saturday, I was uh, actually in a tree stand looking for some some deer, but uh, didn't fare out. It was just nice to be outside, so uh, I didn't have any success there. Uh, did some work yesterday, but you know, the joys of home ownership, though, right? So last night, I'm sitting in my living room and I look up at the ceiling, just looking, and it looks like I've got some sort of a leak in my basement or in my in my bathroom, you know, coming down into the ceiling. So. I got some work to do ahead of me. Just the joys of uh, uh, you things, know what? the things that happen. Yeah, the joys of homeownership. You hit the nail on the head there, right? Um, just about the time you think you got it all all solved. Hey, Tanner, our guests this week. Um, I'm, I've been I've been looking forward to having them around um, and on the show for for a couple of months, and and we were holding out um, for um, for something that just didn't, didn't materialize. Um, um, and with, without any further ado, I'm just going to get it over with, um, our special guest today is Drew Miller. Drew is, um, an instructor down at Brentville high school. And also joining Drew is Sam Rui. Sam, how did I do on that? Nailed it. Got it. Got it. Perfect. That's what I was hoping you would say to me. Um, Sam is a student in the program of Drew's. Um, so I got to tell you a story. Um, Drew contacted me clear back. Um, I'm going to say the first of the year, cause I don't honestly remember exactly when it was. Um, we were introduced by a mutual, um, turf grass professional, Dr. Um, Dr. Goatley down at um, Virginia tech and Dr. Goatley knew, um, of my, my struggles with cancer and my fight against cancer, um, Drew had a student um, in his program who had been diagnosed with a with a, with cancer. And anyway, Dr. Goatley introduced Drew and I. Come to find out, Drew hosts his own podcast with his students. And one of the things that one of the students wanted to do was host me on the show because of my Little League World Series work. And Anyway, this was the student who got sick. And unfortunately, last week um, or two weeks ago now, um, Ryan lost his battle um, with cancer. Um, so um, our, heart, our heartfelt sympathies go out to Drew and to Sam and all the other students in the program um, there in Brentville High School um, in Brentville, Virginia. Um, I can't imagine um, what you guys went through um, with all the with all the things um, that go along with um, having a fellow classmate and student um, lose a battle to cancer. So um, heartfelt sympathies. Um, but um, because of the, because of that, um, because of that, of, of losing um, Ryan, um, we have you on the program. Um, so that's the highlight of this thing, right? Um, that's the good news of all this um craziness that you guys have been through. Um, so anyway, Drew um, and Sam, both of you, welcome to the show. 
Thank you for having us. Uh, we're very excited to be here, and thank you uh, for always uh, caring about Rylan. Um, it was it was right around February when you and I got connected, and you always checked in, and it meant the world to me. It meant the world to him. Um, and yeah, it's it's been a crazy couple of weeks, um, and it, w- it was crazy the. Uh, celebration of life so not really his funeral but the celebration of life was actually held on our field and our students came together uh one night and we painted the whole thing and it was truly an incredible experience and you can definitely tell that rylan was there with us so um yeah it's it's great to be here and uh we are we were hoping rylan would make it to uh, be on the show, but, uh, we're, we're glad to be here now. So. Well, we're real glad to have you. Um, so I'm going to summarize for our listeners, and then I'm going to turn it over to you, Drew and Sam to kind of explain the program, but to, to make the gist of it, um, Drew is the, the instructor, um, of, of sports turf, um, in Brentville where, where basically they teach the students, um, the on the hands-on part of, of sports turf and the science part of, of sports turf. And then they go out and they, they use that knowledge and transfer it onto the fields for the, the high school athletics um, program there at the high school. Um, how did I do Drew? Is that a, is that a fair summary of what, of what you're, that's, that's a it real is, short version. It's a it. very short version, but yeah, it's a fair summary. Um, so, yeah, I'm the director of the Brentsville Turf Grass Management Program here at Brentsville District High School uh, in Noakesville, Virginia. Um, and I started back in 2016, I believe. Um, but we cover a lot more than just sports turf. Uh, there is a big focus on that. Uh, like I said before, it is readily available to us when it comes to our grounds and everything. Um, but we get into landscape management. Uh, we have a greenhouse. So we do a little bit of horticulture work. Um, and again, the majority of our stuff again is sports turf, uh, when it comes to, uh, maintaining, uh, the natural grass playing surfaces that we have here at Brentsville. Um, we have five different varieties of Bermuda grass on all of our facilities. Um, so we do different things to test it, figure out what we like, uh, moving forward. We hope to keep testing different things, but we've had different opportunities with different companies to do stuff. Um, but again, I could babble all on all day but uh again it is a program uh in career and technical education where we aim to have our students industry ready when they graduate high school or have our students enter a collegiate degree whether that's a two-year or four-year degree uh in turf grass management um or other areas of the green industry um when it comes to again uh that type of work when it comes to a career um but I'm Sam's a part of the program. He can definitely speak to different things that he's learned. Um, but again, that is pretty much the gist of what we are here at Brentsville. So, so, so Sam, what, what sports does, do you guys have there at the high school that you help prepare the fields for? Um, big one right now would be football, but we've got football, baseball, soccer, lacrosse, and we'll prepare the fields for all of those. Okay. About softball, <laughs> you know, we got softball too. Yeah, we also oh, have, okay. <laughs> we also have four uh, natural grass practice fields that we care for for uh, year round work on. Again, whoever's using them, you know. Okay. So, as far as you said, you, it's all Bermuda grass. Uh, there, is there any cool season grasses? Or do you folks overseed with rye grass? We again, since we're in that transition zone, we are overseeding uh, with ryegrass. We actually did that three nights ago, uh, Sam. Yeah, Friday. So Friday we did it. Um, we over. We actually were very gracious enough. Again, if you don't want it on here, sorry. But shout out to Mountain View Seed. They donated uh, some of their best product to us uh, for our fields, um, and we overseeded the other day with perennial ryegrass. Um, we do have a field that is um, Northbridge Bermuda, and we have converted it to Blue Muda. Um, we haven't gone full on 365 SS or Barenberg yet, but um, we have a pretty good stand of bluegrass in our Blue Muda field. Um, 
but we we look to uh, expand here in the future. Um, we hope to be able to bring in those bluegrasses and start again, sort of pushing the limits. You know, a lot of people like to push those limits. Uh, we had Tony Leonard on our uh, podcast, and he was talking about how uh, lat not latitude uh, now to home with thirty ones become uh, such a important part of their practice because they can reach up to Philadelphia with that. Um, but very rarely have you seen the bluegrass sort of push down. I think there's one field, and I think it's Atlanta, and I'm not quite sure why. But either way, uh, I do want to work with the bluegrasses um, a lot more for our students, uh, whether that's on an athletic field or if that's on a research plot. We do have plans on developing a research center here. Um, but again, working with the two sides of things, again, that's what I aim to do in this program is to educate the students, not just, again, what we want to teach them here to make our fields better, but all areas of the industry, all areas of the science, you know, um, and we're in such a unique position here in Northern Virginia to be able to do that, you know. So this program that you have, is this I assume like an elective that they, these students can do and how many of these students and I guess is it like ninth through 12th or is it 10th through 12th or can you maybe talk about that? Perfect. Perfect. Um, we are a specialty, a career and technical education specialty program in Prince William County schools in Northern Virginia. The way that it's set up is that we are able to have transfer students from uh, different areas of the district come to our school for our program. Um, and that works. There's a plumbing program. They have the county electricians, uh, aviation, different things like that. Um, but we're here at Brentsville and we are an elective class. Um, we've sort of, again, sort of strayed away from it being an elective in a sense, because again, we do have a lot of kids and we do have a, a prominent place here in the community, but it is an elective in their schedule. Um, and it's a four-year program with a progression in classes um, where one of their classes each year, they have one of our classes. Um, and again, ranging from horticulture, landscaping, turf, all these different classes, those are what we're progressing through each year. Um, and with everything sort of going into that, um, what it's really become such a big part of a student's education. Um, and again, I'll go back to Ryland because uh, I had a conversation with his friends and with his mom. Ryland came to Brentsville for our program. He was zoned for a different school um, and he came to learn about turf management and he actually wanted to pursue this as a career. Um, it's becoming that sort of like collegiate level decision that these kids are making in eighth grade before coming to high school. You know, they're making a decision to leave their base school and leave the friends they've had to go and pursue something that might be something they're interested in, in the future, you know? Um, so again, I was lucky enough in the middle school, I was just going to the next school. You know, I wasn't looking into anything. My mind wasn't like, well, what do I need to be working on? It's become much more prevalent in our world today, especially with the programs like ours, where we have that opportunity to give kids that first look into this industry and first look to pursue something like this, that, parents and students are like, okay, this is the school we want to go to because of this program. And it's not just like our programs where it's like an industry trade thing. There are programs like AP and IV and different, like, again, advanced placement courses that you can go to a different school for those in a sense. If that, if that all answers your question, I hope it did. Um, it does. I, I think a lot of it's just totally different than the way at least we're used to up here. Um, we're much more rural type mm -hmm. areas. Um, uh, our districts up here are pretty much a, for the most part are like a town, you know, like, and then it's, you all go there and then there's like Votex, you know, and that's like yeah. the other thing. And I don't know if, if this is sort of like a vote, like are the students, like is Sam taking like math and that type of stuff as well? Or is this like a, a 100%, you know, all day for all year? Well, you know, all school. No, I, I, get, I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, how, how does so that work? It works into their schedule. So all of our students are full-time students in the classrooms uh, doing their core classes. Um, but the vote, there are, so we're one of the biggest divisions in the country when it comes to public education. We have over 90,000 students in our school system um, and it's growing. Um, but with that, 
comes the different, again, sort of selection and whatnot. Um, the Votech, again, South Southern Virginia areas, they have vocational schools where they're focusing on that. Um, and we have programs in our county where they've sort of developed that. Um, I know there's a, a nursing program where they'll spend a day at the school for nursing. And then the next day they'll do their classes, their core classes. So they'll do their math, their science and whatnot. Um, but again, they're focusing on doing that as a career, you know, um, we're not hundred percent like that. Um, we aim to do that outside of our class. Um, we've got students all over the place on different golf courses, sports fields, uh, providing them with internships, making sure that they get that industry again, experience. Um, like I've told my kids, this is a labor of love. You know, it's, it's, you have to have a passion for this. This is not something that you get into lightly. Um, and if you're very serious about it, I want you to spend a summer on a golf course and see what it's like, because if you don't love it, you're going to hate yourself. If you pursue this and waste four years of your life doing something that you're not going to love, you know? Um, and again, it's sometimes it's, it's like bumming out a little bit. See kid go, Oh, I didn't really want to do this anymore. Like I understand though. And again, it's just the, the vocation to it. Again, like you were saying, those programs are great and those schools. And I think they've talked about it a couple of times in our school district. It's just so much that has to go into it. Um, but we try our best to give our students that opportunity that those vocational schools really give those students, you know? Um, but again, it, it's, it's changing all the time. Uh, so when I first started in 2016, we had 70 students in the program prior. Um, and then sort of through the change and the focus again, more on turf grass, uh, we've gone up to 220. So that, wow. that growth is huge and we hope to keep going. Um, but again, we're given that unique opportunity to, again, pull kids from different schools and have them come to our school for it. Um, but again, and with people like Ryland, like they come in and this, this whole experience is a result of again, transferring for our program, which is, it's fantastic. So. Have you had some folks that have, sorry, Jeff, just for the last question here is, have you had some folks or anyone that has continued on to do turf as a career, you know, that, that have, you know, either went to college or are in the industry? So, so I am, I think I'm a little too young to have industry ready people. I could be wrong. So I don't, my first year teaching was sort of not like a wash, but like I was just learning how to teach and learning all the different things. Um, so I think it was last year. It was the year before last I had, was it 16, 16 students at seven different schools ranging from like Clemson to Western Kentucky tech. I think I had one going to Penn state, but I believe something happened money wise and they went to tech. I could be wrong. Um, but I've had kids interning all the way out in California on golf courses down to Florida. I don't have specific golf courses. I'm sorry. It's a lot of kids. Um, and then uh, I know I had one on Trump national this past year. And then I had uh, one of my students, she interned with the Steelers this past summer. Um, and she's looking to go down South somewhere next year. But overall, when we're talking about students in the program who are on golf courses last year, we had over 30, you know, um, because again, golf courses are readily available kind of um, here. We used to have probably like 10 students working on the Potomac Nationals grounds crew uh, in Northern Virginia, but they moved about an hour away. So it's sort of like, ah, man, we can't get our kids there. But we did have a student work on the, they're in Fredericksburg now, which is about an hour away. He worked on the grounds crew. Um, I And again, it, it's... I try to keep up with everyone, but we have a substantial amount of Brentsville turf alumni who are making an impact, um, not only in sports turf and in uh, golf, but I've got probably four kids in Northern Virginia working for landscape companies, two owning landscape companies, uh, a bunch of kids working in nurseries full time. Um, and again, it's, it's about finding what they want to do, but again, making sure they're prepared when they come out of my classroom, you know, um, I always tell my students that Brentsville turf is something you need to take pride in and that carries with you into wherever you're going. You know, you represent more than just yourself. You represent your classmates. You represent what we do here. So if you walk onto a job and it usually it happens this way, usually my kids will walk onto a job and they will know 90% of the work they have to do. 
operation wise, safety wise, understanding how to operate a mower. And they shock, they shock the superintendents, they shock the bosses, they shock the landscape crew uh, leaders. Because again, you're talking about a high school student coming into a workplace and excelling, you know, and, and I'm not saying all my kids excel or anything like that. And it's just, they don't think of a kid being able to know what they're doing when they first walk through the door, you know, they're like, well, we got to train this kid for like four weeks, make sure he's doing okay. And then we can start trusting him. You know um, we even have, I think I had like five kids this summer working on our landscape crew in our school district. You know, like it, I keep things keep popping up in my head. There are a substantial amount of students who are in this industry pursuing it and students who are currently in our program that I have plans to pursue next year. I think I have 15 applying to different, I think it's mostly Virginia tech again, in-state kind of pulls them that way. Um, and then I, one of, so one of Sam's best friends, which is pretty funny. Um, he is a unique one in the sense that he wants, he's in turf and he's done three, this will be a third year on a golf course, but he wants to focus on mechanical engineering so that he can then work for someone like Toro and fix the issues that he has found in his career on golf courses and on sports fields and be an engineer for Toro to, again, fix the, the issues that he sees with the machines, you know? And what's funny is I didn't do anything remotely even close to put that in his head, you know? It's, it's incredible to see a child. Uh, and again, no offense, Sam kid. Um, well, I guess he's an adult. He's 18, right. Um, find out on their own, you know, sort of their passion for this industry and the avenues are endless. And that's what I always tell the kids is like, you don't have to go one way. If you are in one rut and you don't like it anymore, there are so many different opportunities in this industry, whether that's sales, whether that's working on a different course, sports turf, lawn care, whatever it is, is that don't try and stick to one thing if that's what is not going to make you happy, you know? Um, and Sam's a prime example. He can definitely explain his story a little bit more. Um, and he, I mean, he's really excited me with what he's interested in, um, you know? And again, it's, it's sort of come to light even in the past few weeks. Like, this is something I really want to pursue, um, and we're hopefully going to visit Chad soon. Sorry, Chad, if you're listening to this, I have to call you. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's incredible to see what these kids do and where they start and where they end, you know. Um, yeah. So so you, you did a real nice job, Drew, of introducing um, Sam. Um, and I'm going to take the lead on that and, and say, um, Sam, um, what tell me tell us about yourself. What year are you in the program? Um, and, and what are you hoping to do after you leave the, the program or what you hope to do, um, when you're, when you're done? So I'm a senior, so it's my fourth year in the program. I did all, all four years of the class and, uh, after school, and this is just a came to me like this year. I really wasn't thinking about going into the industry, but like Miller said, uh, Chad, who runs a turf farm is how I understand it, that he, he brought that up to me and it was, it just kind of clicked. It was really interesting. I was like, I would really like to do that because uh, him and I had talked before about golf courses and uh, football fields, baseball fields. And I, I was always thinking, you know, working on a football field would be pretty interesting, getting paint a lot and stuff, but it had never, I wasn't like driving into the industry at all. Um, but when he mentioned the turf farm, that really it hit me. And I, now I'm very interested in doing it. So I would like to go down there and start working, see if I like it. And if I do, I would then get a two-year or a certificate or something, maybe even while I'm working. That would be the best option as I see it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's one of those things that um, a lot of people don't think about is – um, working on the farm and, and growing grass to harvest and put it on a truck and trailer and send it down the road. Um, Drew knows this, but Sam, that's what my son does for a living. Um, he he um, is, works on a side farm out in Colorado, um, a thousand acres worth. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big one, um, but he, he absolutely loves it. Um, 
and he started off in baseball. He started off working um, in professional baseball and, and loved that. But I would encourage you to, to keep trying different things until you find um, your passion, what you love to do. Um, and people say it all the time. And I used to make fun of people like myself for saying this. Um, but, you know, if you find something you love, you'll never go to work. It's, you, you just get up and, and live your life and, and you don't go to work. Um, as long as you're having fun doing it. Yeah, I believe that. Um, so what has the, what do you think that, um, Mr. Miller's program, um, has done for, for you as a student? Um, and what do you think he, um, what do you think, what do you think the points are that you will always remember, him for um, as as a teacher and you and, and now that's putting you on the spot I know because you guys are sitting side by side and, and I'll tell him Mr. Miller if this affects his grade I'll make <laughs> sure that that the superintendent knows that that's not the case so go ahead Sam oh the program well something I think that is really special about this program like he said too is the hands-on aspect and just getting ready for the workforce there's a lot more of that than in classroom, but there still is a lot of in classroom. And I think for a lot of the students, it's the hands-on aspect that really helps the, them retain the information and it really helps them understand how things work. Like you could go over in the classroom an efficient way to string and paint a field from scratch, but if you're not out there doing it and you're not seeing people and communicating effectively and having that teamwork, then it's really not going to click as much. And uh, for me, kind of, almost a lot of leadership I have learned from this program. It's how it has affected me. Um, talk about that a little bit more. What, what kind of leadership? Um, um, obviously, it takes a leader to lay out a football field, right? Um, is it that kind of leadership or do you see it being – um, bigger than just, um, you know, taking the bull by the horns and laying out the lines. Um, I think it's bigger than that. It's as a leader, I think there's a lot of the communication and I've spent a lot of time with him over the summer because a lot of students weren't as available as me. So I would come and help him out. And, uh, I learned more stuff than other students have. So I feel like it, I almost help him in a way um, teach like because he can't be everywhere at once. We'll be on the other side of the field doing something else and I'll help a small group. I'll be like, no, it needs to go this way or that way. And I'll help them. And, and it just not really sure how to, I feel like it's helped me with the communication aspect a lot. There you, you, you nailed it right on the head. You, 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 um, and Mr. Miller, you can't see his face because you're not looking at him, but he's smiling from ear to ear with that answer, too, by the way. Um, and he's he's going to want a copy of this recording to to give to as a recruiting tool to get students to come to his program. Right um, now, I think it says a lot about um, I, I think there's a lot to be said about leadership. Um, you know, we don't we don't traditionally teach those kinds of skills um, in a classroom. Right. Um we just teach math, English, history, science, chemistry, biology, um, and, and the, the leadership and, and even communication skills um, don't necessarily come from the traditional classroom. Um, and it's, this is kind of using the, uh, the, the 4-H model, um, the FFA model of hands-on and learn by doing. And um, I love it. I absolutely love um, the whole concept. And, um, I'll be honest with you, Sam, there aren't many, um, 19 year old students that we could put on a podcast that, that could, um, come up and, and give us answers like that, um, without having a, a cue sheet in front of them, reading, um, reading the answers. So Tanner, what do you have? Yeah, I guess the other question I had about this program is I, is there a cost to the students or the family or the parents that are in it? Or is it all like just kind of, I guess, taxpayer funded? Our announcements are going. Can you guys hear that? No. Okay. So with uh, everything is provided, there is no cost. Um, our students 
we do a lot of work in our program to fund what we do. Um, whether that is constructing a mound, painting other fields, you can ask Sam, actually, Sam and I have been, <laughs> we've honestly been around each other way too much when it comes to field painting. Uh, we actually were given a GPS robot by our, the guy who I was talking about earlier, Doug Wright, uh, director of Korean Tell education. Um, and we've been, sort of helping around the county way too much. Not, not way too much. I'm sorry. That was, that was too much information. Um, but we've been able to fund different things through that uh, by charging, again, marking fields. Uh, we do anything from airification, marking fields, uh, mound renovation, infield work. Pretty much we do everything that we can to give more of an opportunity for our students to learn more about what we're doing, you know, um, I have a kid, his, uh, I'll, I'll say it, Bronco. He's a graduate. Um, he's looking at uh, a golf course assistant superintendent job in about six months, I think, graduating from his two-year degree. Um, he always talked about how everything that we did outside of our classroom helped him so much in the classroom, you know, because, again, we're adding so many different um, elements, whether it's doing it on a different site and seeing it, sort of work somewhere else and then bring it back and understanding this is all sort of universal in a sense, maybe not the process, but again, being able to construct different things, work on different things, makes things work, recommending different things. Um, I think that's one of the biggest under, uh, under oh, what's the word? underestimated sorry i was thinking a different word underestimated aspects about our program is the the time outside of the classroom that our students dedicate to what we are trying to build is unparalleled um i like i always tell people i have some of the best students in this world um some of the most dedicated kids i had a, somebody walk up to me the other day uh, said, I've never seen students work harder than your kids for what you're doing, you know, and whether that's funding or whether that's just being a good person. Um, and like Jeff was talking about earlier, sort of, I'm sorry to backtrack a little bit. I was just in a, a meeting with my supervising administrator, uh, Mrs. Salas, about um, sort of that leadership component that you were talking about with everything that we're doing. We're trying to, again, create those leaders and it's not just a leader. It's just creating better individuals overall, you know, better prepared for a situation at work, understanding, okay, well, this is how I'm supposed to conduct myself when it comes to a superior. Some incident happened at work. This is how I'm supposed to react when it comes to safety components. And then this is how I deal with it as a professional and understanding that I'm not supposed to hide this and try and make it worse, you know, by fixing it myself. Um, it's just trying to take that regular education and what we do in our program and sort of everything that we're doing is intertwined with those little lessons, you know, understanding that going through different safety aspects of, uh, what is important on a mower also coincides with, again, having a, a proper work ethic, understanding that this is how I conduct myself to be a professional and be around other people safely to be around the industry as sort of a whole, you know? Um, and we've actually been honored with the uh, uh, opportunity to be going to STMA uh, down in Savannah this year. Sam will actually be there um, with a few other of his peers, as well as at the golf industry show in San Diego, uh, to present on this and discuss what we're doing as a sort of group. Um, but being able to put kids in situations like that is incredible. And we are so excited for our kids, uh, to have that opportunity. It's definitely unique because you're getting folks and, and kids are, are getting an opportunity to be exposed to this at such a young age i mean a lot of kids you go to college you know i changed majors when i was in college i didn't go to college for turf and it's it's good to see that you can get that kind of exposure i guess i wonder how many districts or places in the u.s there's opportunities like this i i can't imagine it's a whole lot 
So with everything, um, I know there's been a few schools. Uh, Atlee High School has been around for a while doing this uh, down in Richmond, Virginia. Um, I think uh, Mark Moran's down there. And then we have another one at Louisa High School. Uh, Logan Horn, who is a graduate of that program, is now running it. Um, I think I was told there's about five in Virginia, it, like legitimate like turf programs. Um, but in our time, I've been contacted by 15 to 20 people who have tried to follow through. Uh, I know a, another one that opened up this year was Corona High School in like, I think it was LA. It's in California somewhere. I don't know the specific, but they started up this year. And I remember talking to them. Uh, I think I talked to an administrator about, again, what we do and sort of, again, just sort of putting that idea behind of what this program is and using it in a, in a sort of positive manner. You know, I think the biggest thing about our program is that we serve not only our community, but this school extremely well. Okay. Now you need, again, I'm not saying I'm, I'm the right person, but you need a person that is understanding of what the, the job entails and how to educate. So we talk to the different teams and I've told my uh, administration and whatnot. And what we do is we serve our athletic director in the sense of we're taking care of the field for him. We're doing all the different aspects. Yes, he helps us. But at the same time, like you're taking so much off of an athletic director's plate by developing one of these programs. Okay. Um, Yes, you're going to have to trust the instructor with the machinery that they have. And sometimes things go wrong, but things go wrong all the time. So it's understandable. Um, but by having that opportunity to, again, have students do the work for them is huge, you know. And the other big thing that I've sort of discussed with people is most of that equipment's already there that's necessary to be successful as a turf program, you know. Most athletic directors will have the mowers, will have a tractor, will have the different things that are necessary to sort of develop a program like ours. So I have talked with different people about these things. And usually what happens is there's a baseball coach who, who sees something, whether it's on Twitter or something, and they're like, well, we can do this here, right? Um, we're actually presenting with another program, uh, South Forsyth out of Georgia, that we are going to be doing a joint presentation in Savannah about how we've been able to develop these two programs. I think they're three years old down in Savannah, um, but it's going to be a great opportunity for our students to sort of explain how our story happened and their story happened and how it's possible to do this everywhere. Um, so with the funding, and I sort of missed this on the uh, last question, but in every school system, there is something known as Perkins funds. Okay. Perkins funds is a national grant that is given to each school division based off of their population density of students in the classroom. Right. So my boss, uh, Doug Wright is given X number to divvy up as he sees fit to fit within the career and technical education classrooms. Okay. Um, this was really big back in the, in the early two thousands where jobs were more prevalent than college. You know, people wanted to go into the workforce right away. College was not the, the main focus of everything, even though it really was still and still is now. We want students to have the opportunity to learn in the classroom to go into the workforce. So the Perkins grant was created and these funds are allocated to different programs. So programs that are starting off tend to have funds that are given to them to buy the appropriate things, whether it's like paint machine, weed eaters, different things like that, where, again, it's not that much when it comes to the big picture, but it's a huge impact, again, on our program. Um, um, that's really how we've been able to, again, sort of service our students without doing any charge or anything like that. Um, and we've also had great uh, help from the Farmers Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Company, they've been incredible to us uh, with donations and continued throughout the time. So we've, that's how we've been able to do a lot of the stuff we've been able to do. That's, it's, it's all, it's so fascinating to me um, and, and such a great, um, a great way to teach kids as I see. Um, and, and my, my, if I had a hat on, I would take it off to you, um, but I don't have one on. So I'll pretend 
um, then I'm taking my hat off to you. Um, uh, Drew, a couple things, uh, or the one thing that I, I, I heard you say, and I wish somebody would have told me this back at the beginning of my career, is I would encourage you strongly to start documenting where your students go and what they do and keeping track of them because you'll be 20 years from now, you'll be like, well, did we ever send somebody over to thus and such golf course and go back? Then you can go back through your spreadsheet and say, oh yeah, I remember Sam. Sam went over there for three different years and, and, and he did that. I, that's just, that's the old guy in me wishing that's something I would have done at the beginning of my career. I'll be sure to start doing that because I really do need to. There are too many. There's honestly too many kids. It's it, that's it's a good thing, but also like I found out one of my kids that I didn't know is at Tech now in turf, and I'm like, wait, what? Where did you come from? He took like a gap year or something, and I was like, what happened? Like, <laughs> where did yeah, you I come would, from? I would I would highly encourage you to to document those and things that you, you run into Tanner, do you have anything else for, for Drew or for Sam before we wrap things up today? Well, I mean, I have tons of questions, but uh, I don't, we're, think we have we've got time. time. We've got time. It's up for you guys. You know, we're here for you. Well, I guess I got one for Sam, I guess, you know, not having a strong turf exposure before you got into this course. And like most people, what what would you say you like to do most like if you if you whatever you're doing right now in managing these areas or painting fields or whatever it may be what do you enjoy most do, to do what do i enjoy most in the turf industry yeah um i really like painting but at the at a sod farm you're not really going to be doing that so but i like there are jobs painting and not just sports fields, but uh, especially on Bermuda grass, dormant Bermuda grass, you know, that's a, and it is a thing that they do down South on dormant, dormant lawns. And I think there's people that actually have started businesses painting like school logos in people's lawns too. I know there's homeowners that'll do that when their grass goes dormant. Yeah. Sam had a great idea to replace our work. I was talking about the robots that we were working with and, the turf tank has this like lease thing where you could probably make the money back pretty quickly. And he's like, Oh, I should probably start doing this on my own around here. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go around to different schools and paint their fields as a business. Paint their fields. I don't know what I said. I think I said paint their schools. I used to paint their fields. I think I was mentioning schools too. And I was thinking lawns too. So yeah, yeah. that's cause I know that that is a, yeah, I don't know what, Although well, actually in, I won't mention any teams, but there are professional teams that paint their fields green. Um, there are a lot of teams. Yes. For That's... games that people may not, may not know, <laughs> but. Wink, wink, nudge, uh, nudge. Oh yeah. There's, there's yeah def- I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't there, tell them. <laughs> yeah. That, it does occur. I, it's not, I don't, I won't. It, I think it just depends. I think it probably happens more on Bermuda grass than bluegrass. Probably especially when it goes off and starts to go off color uh, yeah. and maybe in that transition time also like so you had mentioned about blue muda um, yes. i don't know if jeff told you I, i'm doing a lot of research with blue muda oh great um that's i'm doing some different research projects looking at establishment maintaining it i've been doing it for about two years now and we're using tahoma 31 up okay. here and uh HGT bluegrass. Gotcha. And it's promising. Um, but I've noticed like one of the things, like it's just different talking with people that manage Bermuda grass. Cause like, obviously it goes dormant. It goes brown. Yeah. We have zoysia grass up here that, you know, some people have, uh-huh. but what's interesting is how when people see bluegrass, like a, I guess I'll phrase it says there's a, there's a move that some folks down south want to incorporate bluegrass into Bermuda grass on golf courses because then it'll stripe. Yeah. Which is interesting, like, because, you know, Bermuda grasses don't really stripe really much. Not really. But, like, if you see that picture, which our listeners can't see, but Jeff's background, you know, for his image there is very striped up. And I mean, cool season grasses like Kentucky bluegrass or even perennial rye can really, and tall fescue can really stripe up nicely. Yep. So, 
Absolutely. So ours, ours is actually a result of a trial that we did with a company um, with the Northbridge Arfia. We actually were doing a dormant springing trial. So they wanted to know if it was a viable practice to dormant sprig. And we sort of did, again, different timing uh, with that. Um, I think February was the best, which again, it makes sense. But February into March, um, we saw a lot of progression. Again, end of May was when we saw it sort of take off. But the Northbridge, um, it's been incredible to watch sort of, again, the development and where it's at in comparison to our Tahoma field. So with everything that every, again, Tahoma's the, the beast. Everybody's like, oh, Tahoma, Tahoma, Tahoma. Northbridge has done a, has been very impressive with everything that I have dealt with. Um, but that the Northbridge does a great job with the blue muta. Um, there's not much, again, the back and forth between the two, it's not like that big of a, a overhaul, you know, um, when it comes to, again, we have very hot summers, So usually I'm pretty concerned uh, when it comes to the bluegrass. Um, but every fall we come back in and I mean, it's striped up beautiful today, you know, um, is it see it gets patchy you know that's that's what and i noticed is I, it gets patchy. I saw that a couple times but our our seed rate was not high um we weren't going too heavy um because again you don't really want to go too heavy with bluegrass but at the same time like we under we sort of again increased it maybe a little bit above the recommended amount but with that we've seen pretty good uniformity with it um I think if you continue, you know, there's a lot of thing we could spend. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. But I think I think for it to succeed, I mean, one of the conclusions that I've kind of come up with is that you need to probably put some some bluegrass seed in every year. Every um, year, that's what just, we've been doing. So that's been the big thing is that again, like usually you're hoping for it to come out the way it needs to, but uh, I think the overseeding has been good for it. You know. The big, the big thing that I'm always curious about is why hasn't the industry made that leap, you know, with Blue Muta, like you're talking about save money on spraying out the ryegrass, doing all these different things. You're like, what well, is it going to take for Blue Muta to take over as this, the common practice for overseeding? You know what I mean? Um, which again, I don't know if it ever will because like you said, with patchy and everything. And then the other thing is like most people that are overseeding money's not really a problem per se um or they're getting a brand new field put in so it's kind of like what's the point of not sticking with ryegrass you know because ryegrass is beautiful and everything and don't get me wrong i love my rye but at the same time like i've almost done my baseball field bermuda just to sort of see again more again we have soccer so it's pretty high traffic but at the same time I'm like you know what i mean when am I going to take that leap? You know, that everyone, our, our issue up here is just, we haven't had a, a Bermuda grass that can tolerate the, gotcha. the cold weather. I mean, we, we, you can plan it, but I mean, it's, it's not that it can't survive the winter. It's that there's always a winter every few years that it won't survive. Gotcha. So if last year we had zero, now it's Tahoma, which is touted as being very cold tolerant, but we had zero, two different locations, state college, which is in the center part of the state. And then, in Reading, which is near where I'm at in the Southeast part, which is closer to Philly. It's maybe an hour and 20, 15 minutes from Philly. Gotcha. And obviously Tony has, has Tahoma and he's had, he's had Bermuda grass for, I don't even Ever. know, ten, 10 years now, something like that. Was it Patriot when he started with, or was a lot of, he's had, I think he's had, I think he started probably with Patriot, but he's had latitude. That's what we got. And everybody, had, everybody's always like, Oh, God bless you. I'm like, eh, it does pretty well still, you know? It has yeah. Its- but up here it, it just, we, it just would winter kill out every few years. So oh, now, yeah. now I think this, the whole concept we're learning. I mean, we could, Absolutely. again, we're, we're getting short on time, but the whole thing that I look at is we're learning more about growing Bermuda grass up here as a byproduct of this blue muta research. Um, I mean, when I was in school and we talked about, you're talking about with Sam here and things that he's learning. When I was in college, we really didn't even learn much about Bermuda grass management period. Now I think that's changed and we learned what it was, you know, what it looked like, but it's, the only time we talk about Bermuda grass here is it's a weed, you know, common Bermuda grass is a weed up here. And that's, there's, I mean, outside of the, the 
Philadelphia. I'm not aware of any Bermuda grass fields in Pennsylvania. And there's um, now there's probably one or two here and there, but yeah. now Maryland, there's more and more. So yeah, it's just, a, it's just, no, I hear you. It's and developing. It, it's a, the, the thing is with bluegrass and the, the difference between the two is insane. You know, Bermuda, you got to beat the living hell out of it. You know, you got to make sure that it is always getting beat up so that it's prepared for that next game. You know, like, um, I was very lucky to be able to work with it when I was at tech on the grounds crew and then spending summers in like, again, New York with the bluegrass understanding again with all the summer patch issues when it comes to the heat of the summer up there. And, and that's New York, you know, New York's supposed to be pretty far up, you know, it's supposed to be out of the range of having issues when it comes to the heat. But I mean, we were like 100 half the summer. So, um, but it's limp mode. That's limp <laughs> mode. In the summertime up here, Bermuda or bluegrasses, it's just limp. July, mainly, definitely August is just yeah. like the worst. But for Bermuda grass, it's like it's just let's it. do it. You know, yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's what that's what's crazy about here. You know, is under like seeing those differences, and that's what I want the students to understand. Um, again, and I I've talked about it a few times. We're hoping to build the first ever turf grass research center at a high school. Um, it'll be a state-of-the-art facility with a full lab um, and a shop space where we will be able to teach sort of more of the mechanical aspects of everything, making sure everybody knows how to care for the mowers, how to grind reels and different things like that that we're not able to do now, but add that to everything that we're doing um, and just have the sort of housing for, again, working with schools. I've already talked to Dr. Kaminsky, working on different things with bluegrasses, Dr. Goatley. Uh, down at tech with Bermuda. Um, we actually were talking to Chase Straw and ours, and he's doing some out of the box things when it comes to athlete interaction with the field, not just about, again, the injuries, but also, again, well, this is where they may have lost a step or something. So they have like trackers on their back and game film, and he's doing all this stuff with that that we would love to get to be a part of because our students would be doing the work as well as playing those games, you know, being a subject in it, you know, um, maybe, I don't know if that's allowed with everything, but <laughs> at the same time, providing that opportunity again, sort of that one area of turf that we're really not too heavily in is again, that educational and that research aspect. And I was talking to Sam the other day, it's very interesting to him to be able to see that and understand again, the impact that it has on all that we do again, as the sports turf manager or the turf manager, lawn care manager, whatever it is we're doing here at school, but being able to add that to sort of the, the repertoire of everything that we have here would be incredible. You know? Well, um, Drew, Sam, I think we've come to the end of our time. Um, it, it sneaks up on us fast. Um, you know, I think some of these podcasts we could make two or three hours long. Others, Tanner and I have to work to get three minutes worth of material out of somebody. <laughs> um, but um, what a pleasure it's been having both of you um, on the show to kind of talk about your program and give our listeners um, more information about the program. And um, we've had Kristen Althaus on this program before to talk about the high school curriculum that she helped develop and CAFMO has been working with. Um, I think your program has taken that whole thing to a new level, um, but um, I, I think it's right in line with um, teaching young people um, new ways, right? We, we, we don't have to teach math the same way um, as two plus two anymore. Um, some kids can't, we can't just write that on the board and say two plus two equals four. Um, we have to have them see that. And, and my hat is off again to you guys um, for the job you're doing there. Um, normally at the end of the program, we do a little thing called three strikes and you're out. Um, so we ask three random questions and then we get three really, really random answers. <laughs> I'm excited. You know, I've told so, you, I, so, I watched the Kristen episode. I'm excited to see what this is. <laughs> so, so, so here's what I'm going to suggest, Tanner. I'm going to suggest that we do two strikes and you're out. One to each of these two guys, and and I'm going to take Sam first, okay? <laughs> and then you can have Drew, and you can ask your question to him. Sam, what is your favorite subject in school? Uh, does this class count? I mean. Absolutely. That's why I ask it. I loaded, the, I loaded the gun for you. <laughs> oh, gosh. 
Now, so so that was loaded. What what's your favorite thing about about this class um, in in the way it's taught? The trust. He really has a lot of trust in his students. That's that's a that's a um, that's a big word. Trust is a big word. Um, Tanner and I Tanner and I have talked about this in the past. You know, trust trust isn't given, is it? Trust is earned. Um, yes. And 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 my hat is off to to that. Tanner, I'm going to let you go with it, with Drew um, with your question. Um, I may fire another one at him depending on what the what the answer is. But we're, we'll get maybe we'll get to our three strikes. Go ahead. Well, I mean, we got you know. We talk about turf all the time, and I guess I'm kind of curious, you know, being from another state, like what do you do when you're not? I mean, you're obviously very vested in this whole teaching educational aspect, but what do you do in your if you have free time? What do you like to do that's <laughs> non-turf related? If if it's if it's a good word, that is a very good word. Yeah. Um with everything that I'm doing, I mean, it has been sort of a hundred percent of my time. Uh, I, I'm working on my, I'm actually working on a doctorate in educational leadership. Um, so that takes up enough time. Uh, I am on my thesis now, so that is definitely taking up a lot of time. Um, but I love hanging out with friends, uh, you know, going out, grabbing a, you know what, so I don't say it in a school building. Um, <laughs> uh, I've got a beautiful golden retriever. I love taking care of her. Her name's Rakely. Uh, she's fantastic. She's a sweetheart. The kids have met her. She's, she's great with the kids. Um, and, and you know, my family's a really big part of my life. Uh, love being around them. Uh, they're incredible people. They really shaped me to be the man I am today, which hopefully is hopefully half of what they've been, you know, or what they are. Uh, my dad recently retired and I, I hope that my career mounts up to a, a quarter of what he did, you know, uh, for when it comes to kids and everything. Um, Cause I, I get asked a lot, like, why are you a teacher? You know, you, you were working for the, the world series grounds crew for the Mets. You were working on the grounds crew for the Steelers for, with Chris and Chris is down in uh, North Carolina now, but what is it that, I mean, my thing it, with, Sam, he was talking about trust. I love my kids. They're great. You know, it's, it's incredible to see in a classroom setting where they sort of find their niche, you know, and most, most of them aren't going to do turf. I know that, you know, but like having them in the classroom really take a liking and a passion to what we're building here and them wanting to be a part of it means the world to me. And I, I love every second of it. Um, and again, I'm, I'm not a big proponent of you'll never work a day in your life. You do what you love because hard work is work, man. You know, we, we do a lot of hard work in this industry and in this classroom, but I really do love what I do. And it's, it's so much fun to be able to be here at Brentsville and be able to do it with uh, the people that I have here, especially my students, you know? So, so Drew, I can, I can, no wonder you were shaking your head up and down last week when you asked me that same question about successes in my career and what made me go, because I think you just used my exact answer. Um, I did not. <laughs> I, think you, I, think you, I think you pulled that out of my podcast and pulled my answer out, right? Hey, it's I got not, your third playing strike. over here. <laughs> I got your third. I got your third strike for you. All and right. Tanner, this is a little off my beat because I normally ask that question that Tanner just asked, but I'm going to fire at it. Do you think there's life outside extraterrestrial life? Are there on aliens? Another planet? Hey, is there extraterrestrial life? Like a Martian or like a bacteria? <laughs> I don't will, try to clarify the question. I, no, it's not it. clarification. It's just explanation. Okay. Um, I don't. I don't know. I'm sure there's something that's a living organism, whether it's an amoeba or something out there that we don't know about, you know, do I think that the transformers are about to fly out of the sky down to us? No, no, I don't. <laughs> Sam, I think it's fair. I'll ask you that same question. Are the transformers alive? I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, I think there are. I think there is. It's probably yeah, right. not as uh, advanced as we are. It's probably a bacteria or something. They're laughing at you right now, Sam, wherever they're at. <laughs> yep. uh, it's, it's all good. 
Um, guys, I really, we really appreciate you taking time out of your extremely busy schedules to be with us here on Fresh Cut Grass. Um, for our listeners, um, our guest today, Drew Miller, um, instructor at Brentville High School, and he brought with him a special guest, Sam Rui, um, who is a senior in his program. Gentlemen, thank you very much for being with us today. I will remind our listeners that they can reach us at our email address. That's freshcutgrass at psu.edu. If you have questions for us or for any of our special guests, um, we can direct them to, to them. Or if you have an episode that you would like for us to try to get a special guest on to talk about, you can reach us there, um, freshcutgrass at psu.edu. Tanner, it's been great to have you with us as always. Um, and we will look forward to next time right here on Fresh Cut Grass.